I'm one of many first. I have my first guest, or well, one of my first guests is from Canada. And our friend Mayank is a neuroengineer. You may not know what that is yet, but that's okay. A change agent. Well, you got to know about that. My, my, my friend here is involved in brain-computer interfaces, deep learning, augmented reality, autonomous robots, terminators coming at you. And, and oh yeah, he's 18, by the way. So it's perfect for our audience. This is In the Making, the podcast by students, for students. This is about the people in tech. Simply put, developers, startups, authors, founders, everyone, everyone in this industry has a story to tell. And I'm here to help those voices reach you with the tools and mindset uh, you can use to also make the most out of your life. So with that being said, uh, Mayank, thank you so much for being on here again. Uh, it's great to have you. Yeah, great to be here. Awesome, man. So I always like to start off, I will just go right in uh, with a little bit of uh, backsta- uh, yeah, background, backstory. So I know you grew up in Mississauga. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Yeah. A, a, a place out in Canada. Can Can you tell me a little about that? Like I, I know I I know I personally don't know that much about the Canadian life, so I'd love to just get like a broad sense of like what it is, uh, and if if possible, how that kind of connects to your your technology interests. Uh yeah. So Mississauga is right next to Toronto. Um, I mean, I think growing up there was pretty normal. Well, I don't really have context outside of Mississauga. Um, I've, I was born there, I've lived there all my life. Um, still there right now. Um, so I'm going to university at Waterloo. I just came home to visit my parents for the weekend. Uh, and then I'm going back. Um, but yeah, I've been living here all my life, schooled here all my life. Um, I don't think it's made too much of a difference uh, in my career, I mean, I think I could have done pretty much the same thing anywhere. I see. And Muga, you thought you brought up the, the, the career part, because just so for context, the way how I got to this podcast is, you know, you, you may hear a lot of those buzzwords I, I, I heard before and think like the person I'm about to interview, some 40-year-old guru, like absolute technology stud, but my friend, my aunt here, I found him actually through TKS, which is this human accelerator platform. And and to be doing all this stuff at 18 years old, we're going to get like obviously more in-depth into it. Uh, but how did how did TKS come to the picture while you were growing up? Yeah. All right. So I guess that's one thing that I, I got as an advantage living in Mississauga. So uh, I got to go to TKS while that was still in Toronto. So actually, if I was anywhere else in the world, I wouldn't have gotten to be part of that program. Um, I don't remember exactly where I heard about it. I think I heard about it from like multiple places at the same time, but it was a combination of, I think I heard about it at a hackathon I'd gone to. And also uh, my dad had a friend whose son had gone to the program uh, and they'd recommended it. Uh, and I just watched a whole bunch of videos and the students who went there and it just seemed like a really good program because the kids who were coming out of there were doing some pretty great things. Awesome, awesome. and. On that note, I I, I want to I looked a little bit up into your LinkedIn profile. So the, like about this time, were you like in high school and that was what was going on? Yeah. So I heard about it in the tenth grade, um, and then I just applied for the the next year program. So I, I started that in grade eleven. Starting grade eleven again, like amazingly 
because high school is like that big transition time. So well, when we skip, we'll skip over for a little bit. Let's say you and I go to like the same high school, right? Like mm. we're, we're both in the 10th grade, or, you know, sophomores, 15 years old. Who was Mayank in, in high school? In high school? Well, I kind of did a bit of everything ex- except like arts. Um, so I, I knew how to play piano. I think that was like the closest thing I got to arts. But like mm-hmm. I did sports, I did business, I did tech. Um, so like in grade nine, I was on the football team for my school. Um, we did pretty well. We won like the the regional competition. We came like second in Ontario, no third in Ontario. So that was a really that was a fun experience. Um, also did like first, which is like this robotics competition. But again, that was at my old school, so I had to leave both of those when I switched schools. Um, and then in my new school, they had rugby, so I picked that up. And I actually love rugby now. Um, so I played rugby and skiing for my school for three years. For three years, I was at my new school. Uh, and I did some business stuff like the DECA. Um, and then I just did a whole bunch of hackathons. I was really into tech. That's nice. And like for, uh, just as a side note, like the actual classes, like what was like your favorite class? Um, I like my math classes, but I think my science classes were my favorite. Nice, nice. I think I liked math just because it was like simple and straightforward. I don't know if I actually liked the subject, but um, science was always interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, and all that, all that stuff, I guess, like comes in later on. Uh, and of course, I, 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 you know. I looked a little bit at St. Marcellinus's like website and I, I got to see like these kids like they're so dynamic and they have like that like their daily news announcements like on YouTube really well put together. I think that looked like a really interesting place. Yeah, St. Marcellinus was my old school. Uh, then I switched to mentor for the rest of my three years. Yeah, and let's talk about that. So I know you transferred to schools in the 10th grade. I, I know uh, for personally, like I, I had friends who like, you know, for example, moved in 10th grade or they, they moved in the 11th grade. It, was that like a big transition for you? Um, not really. I mean, high school is high school. I think the only, yeah, no, nah, it was pretty normal because I had like, I just gone from eighth grade to ninth grade. That was already a switch. Um, and then I just switched schools again. I mean, it wasn't really a big deal. I just had to make friends again, which kind of sucked. But I mean, other than that, it was pretty normal. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I applaud you for being able to handle that transition. It's like, I know like I, I, we have like all kinds of like younger people, like 14 years old listening to this. And like sometimes that, like I, I looking back, I, I, I realized like now it's like kind of, what do you think was like the, the biggest thing you took away from high school? And like, well, and on, on the other note, like what was the, the, you look back, like what was the dumbest thing like in high school? Mm-hmm. Honestly, you, you used to care about, but like now you realize it was like no longer. I used to care about being in a lot of clubs early on. Like I wanted to be in like as many high school clubs as I could. Mm. Like later I realized that I shouldn't just be in clubs just for like getting out on my resume or just having a whole bunch of interesting clubs. I used to just double down on the ones that I actually care about. I love that. Yeah. And I, that, that rings true for me too. Like for sure. So yeah. And, and like that having those clubs, like um, 
I think that that does make you like more dynamic and like more creative. But I guess at the end of the day, like, do you think um, once you like became more focused on like just the technology, like how did that like like eleventh grade like TKS? How did that kind of shift you? Yeah, so I started doing less stuff. Um, I think actually, I think a part of it's also just what stage you are in life. So like, if you're trying to figure out what you like, if you don't know, then then doing a whole bunch of random clubs may not be a bad thing because then you can actually see what you like, right? Because you don't really know you don't like something until you try it. Mm-hmm. But for me, like I was pretty clear early on that I want to do something in tech. So for me, like it didn't necessarily make sense to do a lot of the other stuff that I know I'm not going to do in the future. I see. So moving forward, I, I got to say, like I like where this is going. But today you fast forward and Mayank, uh, you call yourself an exponential tech developer, which mm-hmm. I love that. I love that term and no one else actually uses it. So I think just to, just to start with, can you explain what that means to, to you in, in context? Yeah, so to me, exponential tech means something that was like, it grows exponentially. It's like it's in the name. Like you think about AI, right? Like nobody was really using it in the 2000s, but the use of it and the impact of it has grown like exponentially over the years. Uh, same thing with other things like augmented reality or virtual reality, right? It was, it's been invented a long time ago and the growth has been pretty stagnant, but yeah, exactly. It grows really, really quickly. We've seen like a huge increase in the use and impact of that technology over the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like going back to that adoption curve, like it's like, yeah, the adoption curve and even the, just the impact curve, both of them have been exponential for a lot of these technologies like artificial intelligence. I think brain computer interface is starting to get there, like where the exponential is starting to pick up and get become a vertical line. Uh, and then, of course, augmented reality, like stuff like blockchain, you know, all these things that they, they're not necessarily newly invented, but they're finally reaching that that pickup. See, we're, we're, we're giving people a glimpse into the future. So I, I love this, this episode. So, but before we get into like even that, like I had a couple final thoughts on, on high school. So I know uh, on your TKS talk that I saw a couple of weeks ago when you had like all those cool demos and stuff, you mentioned uh, plug, public speaking was one thing that uh, TKS helped a lot. And I think that's, that's like, huge for developers. So can you, can you tell us a little about like how you develop your, your more public speaking skills? Yeah, um, I think a lot of it's just practice. And, and a lot of some people will like try to memorize their script. And I found like that's when I suck at public speaking. Like the best thing you can do is just have a general idea of what you want to say and then just improvise. Because like if you know your stuff, you could just you should just be able to go up and just have a structure and then just go with the flow. And I found that my best presentations are the ones where I just have like five bullet points about what I'm going to talk about and maybe some slides and then just go free flow. Cause that's when you're going to be talking like authentically when you're just speaking from the heart and you just have an outline so that you don't go, you need to have an outline just so you don't go wandering off or just get stuck not knowing what you want to talk about. But yeah, don't try memorizing stuff. That's not going to work. You'll be so focused on trying to recall what you wanted to say that you can't focus on literally anything else like your performance your uh how you're giving the, uh sending the information across to the audience yeah yeah you like turn into a robot basically yeah exactly <laughs> and so and going going from there i know some 
like you've had a lot of interesting roles like in web development deep learning ar those kinds of things what's like the story behind that like a lot of high school students may say oh you know i'm, I'm so young like why, why how why would anyone ever want to hire me how did how did you like end up in those kinds of roles early on yeah, so my first role, I was actually pretty lucky. So I got an interview through TKS. Um, so there was this company called Loyalty One. Uh, they're based in Toronto. And they had this innovation lab called Zero Gravity Labs. Um, so TKS got me an interview with them. And then we had like, I think there was a handful of people um, interviewing for the position and I was able to get that. Um, I wouldn't have gotten that interview without TKS. So in that case, I was pretty lucky. But I know not everybody will necessarily have that resource. Um, so like my, that's why my second job was a bit more interesting because that one I got completely by myself. Mm. Um, so I'd actually reached out to the co-founder of the company I'm working for right now, just because I wanted help with the project I was working on. Um, and then she ended up offering me a job at the end. So I actually didn't ask her for the job. I wasn't expecting it at all, but um, I sort of just got it. Um, and I think the best way that you can get jobs is just to build unique skills. So yeah, if you're in high school, of course not, a lot of people may necessarily hire you, but if you develop skills and make them wanna hire you, then they will. So if you wanna work for one, one particular company, like you just have to work for them, go look at what they work on, what problems are they trying to solve, and then show them that you can solve those problems. It just happened that the company I'm working for right now, I'd, I built something in the past um, that was something they were trying to work towards. So there was a perfect fit there. Um, but if you don't have a company in mind, just, just build unique skills, make projects and make sure you put it out there, right? Like write articles or make videos, like create content so that it can spread. Because a lot of, I think one mistake a lot of developers make is that they'll just make projects and put them on GitHub. And that's okay, but nobody, like not a lot of people can understand a GitHub code. Like even a developer is not gonna go through all your code and try to figure out what it does, right? Like a video says like a thousand times more than a GitHub repo. I see, yeah, yeah. And so that, that almost speaks to like some some people like, or I, I think Mike, you, you don't sound like the person who like starts out, like I want this specific goal in mind, right? Like. Uh, you you kind of built out these passion projects first, and then like the the rest happened. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's been a combination of both. Like, I knew I wanted to get really good at BCIs, and I think what drove that was a passion. So I think if you're trying to get get achieve a goal, then you should have a passion for it. And like, I didn't have a huge plan. Like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do first. This is what I'm gonna do next. But like, I had the end goal in mind, and and I just went with the flow and got there. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, it, it's awesome. When, like those things just kind of like work out how they do. That being said, like having to switch from uh, web development, deep learning, AR, like for example, that makes we have like concentrations. Where, like one person will say, I'm going to just be like mobile developer or like mm -hmm. just a back end, front end. What's like, do you think there's something do you think like uh it's hard to was it hard for you to like kind of switch between those different uh technologies or and if so like, what was like your secret sauce for having to learn uh so rapidly um it was really hard to transition i was just going through the stuff that i was interested in um i think the best thing you can do is like i guess in the context of make school 
uh, I mean, just do a little bit of all those concentrations and then see what you like best before going deep into it. Because like, even if you are like, let's say a backend developer, you should still know some front end because you're going to be working with front end developers. And if you have no idea about how that works, like you can't optimize for that. And just in general, it's a good skill to have because like, let's say two backend developers go for a job, but like one of them knows a bit of front end and they can show that like that just instantly gives them a leg up and like you don't need to do much to get know a bit of front end. Um, so don't go too deep into just your like vertical. I would say that you need to, you should know like a decent amount of everything that goes into it. Uh, in terms of secret sauce, like you just have to be interested in it. So there've been a couple of things I've learned just cause like, oh, I think I should learn them. Like let's say like certain web development libraries or something that, you know, like they're kind of boring. I'm not really interested in them, but I need them to build like websites to show off my other projects. So like, okay, I'm just going to go in and build it. But uh, if you're actually interested in it, so like I was really interested in like BCIs, like brain computer interfaces uh, and augmented reality. So that was super easy to learn because when I sat down to learn it, I actually wanted to learn it. And you just naturally spend a larger amount of time doing it. And do you have like any like heuristics or like internal gauge or like when you say like, I really know this and like, like I'm, I'm like confident enough to like go out and like speak about it with other developers and, and work on teams where people like have respect me to be like responsible for different parts of the project. I did, honestly, I think you should never feel like you know enough. Like I, my confidence in my BCI abilities, I would say is about the same it was a year ago, which is like, I feel like I know quite a bit, but I know there's like so much I don't know. And I think you should never, you should never be thinking, oh, I know as much as I possibly can about this topic, because there's definitely always more. And the problem is if you ever have that mindset that, okay, yeah, I've learned like most of what there is to know, like there's not much else I can learn, then you won't, <clears throat> sorry, then you won't learn anything else because you've closed off your mind. Yeah. Let's see, let's go a little bit now. We've been talking about uh, BCIs a bunch, so why don't we just dive right in? So in, this, in your current role, as I understand, Mayank uh, creates these BCIs for IDEN Technologies. It's a, it's a startup in Switzerland, and they're looking to create the first generation of IoT devices that, uh, devices that anyone in the world can use and get this with their brain, right? Okay. Yeah, we're making these um, these earbuds that can measure your EEG from within your ear. Wow, wow. I, I, EEG is like your brain waves. You don't know what that is. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like like a person would have like their AirPods in, except now their AirPods yeah, are exactly. like doing everything. So you say, uh, and I'll, I'll start off with LinkedIn because that's where, where I've learned the most about you so far. You say on LinkedIn, you designed the hardware prototypes from the ground up. So like my first like curiosity is like, what is it like to come to work and like have to do all this on your own? Yeah, I mean, I'm not on my own, right? I have my team. Um, I, I've been designing the hardware prototype, but you know, I get advice and supervision from other people at the company. Um, so I was actually building my own um, EEG, which is like a BCI device. Uh, an EEG like measures the electrical field from your brain. Um, so your brain waves. Um, I was already building this device uh, for my myself before I got hired. 
Uh, and then I reached out to the company with help. I was like, I get help on getting electrodes, which are the actual sensors that pick up your brain waves. Um, so then they ended up hiring me as a software person. But then I told them about this hardware stuff I was doing too. Uh, and then they said, okay, why don't you work on the hardware? Because then I could learn more and they didn't really have too many people working on the hardware. Um, and a lot of the stuff I learned from that was just through self-learning and YouTube. Uh, so it's kind of, a, I started in like February and then they hired me in like April. Um, so I was just really interested in it. So I was able to learn it in a relatively short amount of time. Um, and then of course, as I got, while I was hired, like I kept learning stuff on the job, um, making mistakes, learning from them. Um, and I was, I was lucky that they trusted me with that. That's awesome. Yeah. Having trust is that, that, that key component. So it, it sounds like it came down to a lot of like you, you had that curiosity, you had that passion and it, it actually wasn't like you being all by your own. It's like having your team, it's having to learn on, on as you go through it. Yeah. Would you say like that? That's like, it sounds like a, a very, you very much sounds like you just subscribe to like growth mindset. And uh, with that being said, like what were some of the challenges or like stressors of going through a startup uh, and having to come up with like these ideas and all the time it's like, or, or help, help me understand if I'm like not understanding the, the context. Um, I've only worked for two companies, so I don't necessarily have the best context. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like working at a startup is, I mean, you have more responsibilities because in a bigger company, like let's say you're all, you have like what, 10, like let's say Google, you have like at least 10 developers working on this project. Like if one person doesn't know how to do something, like there's nine other developers to pick up the slide or like, if you mess something up or like you miss something, like there's a lot of people going into it. But like in a startup, it's like, if you don't get this done, it doesn't get done. Like there's a lot more responsibilities. And what you do, like it helps create success for the company. So it's much more important versus like at Google, if I just didn't do anything for a week, I feel like the overall, like people, people wouldn't notice as much, right? Because like, if you have 10 people working on this one code set, like, okay, maybe it gets done a bit slower. Like in a startup, like if there's deadlines, it's, I feel like it's much more important, much more critical because the entire success of the company depends on it. See the, the users at, at, of Google may, may not notice like the, the one guy who's slacking off of yeah, those teams. Yeah, like it doesn't impact the grand scheme of the company, right? Google is not gonna do like even 0.001% worse. <laughs> I feel that, uh, that makes sense to me. On, on that note, like we, we've been speaking a lot around like the job, like career focus and like just the, the, the technical skills. How would you say like working for IDEN has like changed your soft skills or like what were some of the challenges around like uh, that kind of lifestyle? Um, I don't think my soft skills have changed too much, but I've definitely gotten, uh, I've gotten quite a few opportunities to present my work, which I enjoy. So like I've, I've presented with, um, they're running the Neurotech X community there. That's like the Neurotech community around, Neurotech X is like this international Neurotech community. And so they run the Zurich chapter of that. So I, I gave like a short talk about um, hardware development and how to make an EG from scratch with them. 
I, I present some of my projects like the Brain Controls Gaming at uh, one of their webinars. Um, so it's been nice that I get to, I'm not just like a developer in the background, I do get to apply my soft skills and between like presenting in person, it's like presenting like on webinars or uh, creating like marketing content for them. Nice. And so was most of this work, I, I, I just want to clarify, was it like working remotely or like were you actually in Switzerland at the time? Yeah, so the original plan was to go to Switzerland for two months, but obviously because of Corona, that wasn't possible. Um, so I, I started in June while I was still in high school, <laughs> uh, and I've been working remotely the whole time. But uh, I was lucky that they flew me out for around two weeks in October. So I did actually get to meet the people I'm working with. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make sure to link up all the, the like your LinkedIn demos and, and, uh, and, and yeah, definitely your profile so people can see just like, as I thought, I, I was like blown away by seeing the, the, the uh, brain controlled video games. Yeah, brain controlled stuff is just so much fun. Like that's why it was easy to go uh, and learn about it uh, and get good at it because it was just so cool. <clears throat> Being able to control stuff with your brain, like I, I still find that crazy. Yeah. So while we're nerding out about brain controlled uh, interfaces, I did want to get a touch a little bit on like the like the medical side of this. So I, I imagine like, could you, could you tell like, cause I'm like really naive around like this, who do you work with? Who's like not an engineer at IDA and like what, maybe you could speak to like, if you know what is being done to make sure these devices are like safe for humans as well as effective for the things you want to do. Yeah, so EEG is actually completely harmless. Um, an EEG device only measures the electrical fields from your brain, right? It's a read device, it's not a write device. Um, so if you had a device that actually modifies your brain in some way, so like if that's through like electrical stimulation or magnetic stimulation, that's when you actually need uh, more doctors to make sure that the, there's no long-term effects. So if you look at any uh, brain computer interface startups that are dealing with that, they have to get like FDA approval or a medical license, but um, we don't because uh, I'm pretty sure we don't for EEG, but like there, there's no, like nothing's gonna happen with the EEG. It's just, it's like saying uh, a heartbeat monitor is gonna impact you. Like it's not, it's just a read device. But if you have something like a defibrillator, that's a write device, that, that's much more dangerous and you need to know what you're doing. Uh, so we don't really have to deal with doctors. Nice, yeah. Those darn doctors, not skin, but doctors. <laughs> Let's go. So that, that's that's pretty much all I had for right now. But we still got time for the lightning round. So I'm just gonna go through these questions from one one by one, and like feel free to just like riff and like tell us what's like the first thing that comes to mind. All right, so. What's been, I know you, yeah, I saw that Mayank has done like tons of volunteering back in high school, kind of speaking back to, I think, like that phase, like wanting to do everything, which I think is awesome. Um, what's been like the, the most fulfilling volunteering you've ever done? Like the most, the best way you've ever given back? Hmm. I spent a lot of time volunteering for hospitals. Um, and I think with that, you need to be careful what role you're in. In the beginning, I was just like delivering water to people. I don't feel like that was very impactful. Um, but later, like I got my role changed and then I was working in like the nurse or department dealing with like 
helping managing uh, like patient records and stuff like that. And I feel like that was more impactful. So I think even if you volunteer with somewhere, you can, if you just blindly do whatever you want, like they say, then you're not really going to get an impactful role. But if you're proactive and show that you want to do something interesting, then you can actually make a bigger impact. And if I could, if I could like dig into that, like what about um, filing patient records was like so, so meaningful? Uh, yeah. Okay. It's not meaningful big picture, but I think it was a step up from delivering water. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. In terms of the hospital, of course, you're not going to get like major responsibilities just because, you know, you're a high school kid and they're dealing with people's lives. Um, but uh, there was another volunteer role. I think actually this one might've been more impactful. Mm -hmm. um, there was this um, school near, near my high school, uh, my second one, there was this like, Kind of like a daycare for people with uh, cerebral palsy so that's this neurological illness that sort of affects their motor control um and sometimes even their just ability to eat so some of them need like feeding tubes um so i volunteered there for a while where you just like help take care of the kids um and interact with them i think that was that was impactful too so these kids aren't just like around the same two adults their entire lives you know they actually get some more social interaction and just helping out with that i think that was that was more impactful than working at a huge hospital. Yeah, I guess I, I love that because like, yeah, like those, those, um, yeah, it's like, it's interesting how the mind can like, can, can affect your life. And, and, and so like, just like this one organ can change like your entire like ex existence. Yeah. Let's see, man. So I know we also, we both come from the, the Indian culture. So I wanted to ask this, uh, out of curiosity, what is your favorite Indian cuisine after, after like a, a big win or if you ever want to celebrate, what do you go for? Um, I don't necessarily go for Indian food after I celebrate, but <laughs> my, my Indian, uh, favorite Indian food would be uh, like paneer. That's pretty good. Dude, I love that. And let's see, like, well, um, on the uh, on the flip side, like after you like, um, like say you're looking for like comfort food, what do you, what do you usually go for? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really have a comfort food. That's good. That, that means uh, like we we got that that um, that mental resilience too. This is also awesome. Let's see, man. So uh, on that note, what 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 is your favorite video game? Uh, favorite video game. I really liked Horizon Zero Dawn. I like the plot of that game. Oh, okay. Tell me. So uh, I I'm like honestly illiterate about video games. So what what is a uh, Horizon Zero Dawn? Yeah, it's this um, it's this game where they make military robots um, to fight the wars for them and. They give them the ability to self-replicate and eat biomass for fuel. And oh there ends up being some sort of code glitch. And of course, <laughs> they sort of just start killing everybody and eating humans for biomass. Um, and there's this whole thing where they create this project to help save humanity, where they can, there's like this multi-system AI where they have like one AI working on breaking the encryption for the robots, which is supposed to take like a thousand years there's like another one responsible for, responsible for preserving human intelligence. There's another one responsible for like terraforming and creating life. Another one responsible for uh, creating uh, humans, for like lab-grown humans. 
it's it's a pretty interesting plot. Um, I I found like just that like that's like a, that's not the main part of the plot like like for the video game, but that's what the entire like origin story is, and I just found that concept really interesting. How they were able to like create all these AIs that can do these different things, and like what goes into like recreating humanity. Oh man, oh man, we're gonna have to have a follow-up podcast about like uh, all the thematic themes around um, AI and stuff. Oh yeah, it's a sick game. Uh, I'm I'm excited for the next one to come out. I think it's coming out this summer. Nice. So let's see. I, I know we've, we 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 have gone over a lot of things about self learning today, and obviously mm-hmm. yeah, at make school and, and like schools in general, people always want to self learn. So, what is like your favorite place to go for online learning? I I know I saw on your LinkedIn a lot of Udemy stuff on there, Coursera. What's like your go to? Yeah. Um. So I really liked Udacity's content. Now I know that one's not free, but like. I didn't even pay for it actually. I have like three nano degrees from there, but I found ways to get all of them for free. Um, but if you can, like, <laughs> I'm sure there's a way to find the content for free online without getting the certificate. Um, they have pretty high quality content. Um, so if you're really interested in completely becoming, like learning one particular skill, I think that's really good. Um, and I, a lot of that is because it's project-based. And I think like, if you don't, if you just wanna not follow a course, that's one of the best ways to learn anything. Uh, I would say just learn the basics so you can like write a hello world and then just choose a project that you're interested in and make it. And if you don't know how to do something, just search it up. And I think that way you're, you become more invested in learning that particular skill um, because you're making something you're interested in and you end up learning all the practical parts of the language because you needed them for that project. So you very likely need that for other projects. Nice, nice. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like it's so it's so interesting when you look back after a project and like the amount of growth is like crazy if you actually t- take into account like all the stuff you had to like overcome, all the blockers, all that stuff. Cool, man. My again, it's been it's been great to have you. That was my last question. Uh, any final thoughts before we we we, we close the episode? Uh, not really. All right, man. It's been awesome having you. Take care. Yeah, you take care too. Awesome, man. All right, bye.